Hi, family. Welcome. If you're in church, give yourselves a big shout out. It's good to have you in church with us. If you're watching online, we love you, family, our online family. Okay, so if you are watching online, would you like to be my digital evangelist today? Come on. If you're watching either on YouTube or on Facebook, please won't you comment and share. And if you do that, then we have a way of getting the word out. Now, only comment if you like what I'm saying. Say, great job, love this scripture. If you don't like what I'm saying, <laughs> don't comment. Okay, and the title of my message is The Blessing of Belonging. Early one Sunday morning in 1941, on the hillside of Honolulu, Hawaii, the children were flying their kites in the beautiful sunshine. People were having breakfast together. The tourists were on the beach. And I guess if Apostle Thea was there, he would be surfing. But it was a Sunday, so many people were getting ready for church. They were cleaning their houses, gathering their children. But for the locals... It was life as normal. When suddenly, out of the blue, the island began to shake and rumble. Some say it felt as though the ground beneath them, beneath their feet, was about to cave in, and people were running around frantically looking for shelter. Was it an earthquake? Was it a volcanic eruption? But it was neither. Unexpectedly, a swarm of Japanese planes attacked Pearl Harbor. Japanese submarines attacked the United States Pacific Fleet in the Hawaiian Islands. No one expected it. It was sudden. It was without warning. Thousands of people were killed that day. There was terror. There was panic. There was fear. It was a day people thought would never happen. A day no one expected that to happen. But you know, family, it'll be the same when Jesus comes again. Many people will not be expecting his return. Many will not be ready. The Bible says that only half of the, the born-again Christians will go in the rapture, and that ought not to be so. On Friday, the 11th of June, 2021, Apostle Thea and myself, we were invited to Rodney Howe Brown's 60th birthday party. It was a phenomenal celebration. And at the end of the party, Rodney got up and he, he began to explain an experience he had with Jesus. And he said it happened last year and it was an open vision. I'm not going to go into all the details about the open vision, but I want to give you what I thought was important. Jesus told Rodney, he said, Rodney, I am coming very soon. But he said, my bride is not ready for my return. However, Jesus said he would get us ready. So precious family, if the church is not ready for his return, what does that look like? Well, Ezekiel 37 verses 1 to 10, and I haven't put it on the screen. You can go and look at it in your own Bibles. It gives us an accurate account. It shows us the vision that Ezekiel had when the Lord showed him a valley that was full of dry bones. And the Lord told him, he said, Ezekiel, prophesy to their bones. Tell them to come together. 
When God said, do you think these bones will come together? Ezekiel said, Lord, I don't know. Only you know. And God said, prophesy, and these bones will come together. And then God said, prophesy, and I'll put flesh on the bones. And then prophesy, and I'll breathe the wind of the Spirit into those dry, dead bones, and they would come to life. And Ezekiel did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And they, that great army, the bones came together, and that great army stood up on their feet. This is a type of Israel, but it's also an example of the church of Jesus Christ as it went through the dark ages. They were scattered. They were defeated. They were dismembered. They were ineffective. They had no power. They had no unity. They were, were walking around just like the dry bones in the valley. But you know, family, Satan's plans are the same today as they were in the Bible days. He wants to keep us apart. He wants to keep us apart from one another. He wants to keep us disconnected from the body of Christ with no power, no unity. What does he use? Past hurts, past disappointments, past betrayals, strife to keep us defeated, walking with no power, the power of God. Yes, we can all testify to the fact that we've been hurt sometime or another by someone in church, right? But Satan's plan is to get us so disappointed with one another that we lose our effectiveness and some even lose their destiny. We look in Matthew 12, 25, and it says that a, a divided kingdom ends in ruin. And that's the same as a city a home, or a church. If a church is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And you know, that's the plan of the evil one. He wants us to fall. He wants us to fail as a church, as a people, even in our homes. He wants us to live in unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, so that we cannot walk in the power of God. Because Satan knows that when we forgive those who have hurt us or betrayed us, we will walk in the power of God, in the love of God, and then we will defeat the works of the evil one and we will live a victorious life and we will be a formidable force. Well, family, not only does our enemy separate us through our hurts and disappointments, he's added something to his list. He's added cancel culture and trends to his list. Nowadays, the trend is not to go to church. Why? They say culture has changed. But you know, the devil is spinning this lie to the body of Christ about, you know what? He is telling the church, it's okay not to go to church. There are some reasons, like people don't go to church anymore. They say, oh, church is too long, or church is too boring, or not our church, but, or church doesn't do it for me. Or have you heard this one? I can practice my faith in other ways. I can stay at home and practice my faith, or I haven't found a house of worship that I like. Or it's more convenient to stay at home and watch online. And you know, the list goes on and on and on. But as pastors, as shepherds who love and care for the sheep, we can see how Satan has come to disconnect the body of Christ. And we don't want one 
little lamb to be lost when Jesus comes. Jesus wants us to get ready for the rapture. And we, as responsible pastors and shepherds of the flock, we are going to do everything we can to help you get ready for his return. Now, I'm absolutely not condemning anyone who cannot get a church due to valid reasons. For example, we know if you're ill, you don't have transport. We totally understand even the situation we find ourselves now with COVID and the restrictions that are put on the churches. We understand all that. We also understand that this one precious lady we know who lives overseas, she's taking care of a father-in-law who is bedridden. So the only church she has is us online. And I'm so grateful that she is online with us every single week. She is a faithful follower online. And we love our online viewers and our online family. And we are not uh, disappointed that you're there. However, if you can and the church is allowed to be open, please come back to church. Or if you're far away and you, you're hearing my voice and you say and you're watching me, you say, Pastor Bev, um, I've been at home. Try and find a good church where you live. Get connected to a good church. You know, the other day I was speaking to a beautiful lady, a Christian lady, and she was telling me that she attends actually three churches. I said, really? She said, yes, I, I attend one a Bible study online with one church, and then I, I, I go to another church for their prayer meeting, and then every now and again I attend the third church. So the question I asked her was, but where do you serve? Which church do you call home? Where do you serve? Well, she looked at me like, as Pastor Theo says, a cow at your gate. She thought, um, she said, no, I don't serve anywhere. So then I explained that God wants us to be planted in the house of the Lord. We must not be like rolling stones that gather no moss. And let me ask you something, family. If gathering together was not important, and that's uh, our culture has changed, why does the precious Holy Spirit tell individual people in communist countries where church is illegal why does he tell them where they are to go to gather for worship and the word on a Sunday? Because you see, family, culture will change. Trends will change. We know fashion changes. Actually, it just recycles itself. People change. Politics change. But the word of God will never change. And do you know that God's plans for the church have stayed the same? since the first church began in Acts chapter 2. So when we look at the first church in Jerusalem, we can see uh, the pattern of what Christianity looks like. First of all, they met in one place. Yes, they went to church. They were in unity. And when they were together in unity, the power of God fell in the room. The Bible also tells us that they worshiped together at the temple so the believers went to the church to worship. Yes, we can worship the Lord on our, on our own. And it's great. I love to walk and pray and love to worship. But there's something about getting together in the corporate anointing when we get together to worship. It's phenomenal. You know, family, the most important lesson we can learn 
in life, in my opinion, is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and our mind and our soul. And the second most important lesson we can learn in life is to love other people in God's family. God wants us to have relationships. He wants us to connect with one another. The book of Acts tells us that those who uh, believed, they were baptized. And then they were added to the church. What did they do? They joined the other believers and they became committed to their community. So not only did they worship regularly at the temple courts, but they also met in small groups where they shared communion and had meals. And that's church, family. You know, it's not enough just to come to church and listen to the word and worship. And of course we need to do that. And that is good. But we also need to be in a small group. Why? For relationships, for growing, for learning, for discipleship. Who do we turn to when we have difficulties that arise or we're under attack? We turn to the people we have relationships with, the ones in our small groups. Romans 12.5 says, There are many people who belong to Christ, and yet we are one body which is Christ's. We are all different, but we depend on each other. And that's the truth, family. We depend on each other. You know, when I got COVID, I needed practical help. First of all, I had to call on the women who I could depend on to help me. And they did. I couldn't call on Natalie or Candace because they've got little kids and they've got to look after their children. Their children couldn't get COVID. So I had to depend on women in the church that I could trust and knew would help me. And you know, they cooked for my husband. They even came and cleaned my home. They did practical things that I needed, and I am so grateful for those women. And when my husband had his heart attack, women close to me brought me meals, called me, and they asked, is there anything they could do for me? Uh, one lady just phoned me and said, Pastor Babe, I'll just come and sit at your home and, and keep you company uh, for when you come home from the hospital at night. I was so grateful for the body of Christ in my time of need. They were there for me, and your small group will be there for you also. You know, when we serve each other, we're actually serving God. We belong to the family of God. A healthy family sticks together in all circumstances. Now, we've all heard of Sir Winston Churchill, right? Well, once he gave a rather stirring and very famous speech during World War II. He said, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. We should fight in the streets. And we'll fight in the hills. Now, this quote might sound like you're a description of your last family vacation. <laughs> Every family has tough times and difficulties. But a family is designed to stick together in all circumstances. I've heard that the church family is much like chocolate fudge, mostly sweet with some nuts in it. <laughs> and many of us say, amen to that. But no family is perfect. No church family is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But once we're committed to our church family, God is going to connect us together 
and we're going to do great things. We need each other. There's a lie that says we can be healthy Christians without going to church. Being part of a church isn't just important. Family, it is essential. Now, I'm going to give you some reasons why we should go to church regularly. Are you ready to hear? I also want to call them my Bible bullets, just in case you need some to put in your back pocket. If someone says to you, we don't need to go to church, you can say, oh yes, I've got a few scriptures to explain why we need to go to church. So we go to church number one because God tells us to. So we're going to have a look at a couple of scriptures. Hebrews 10.25 says you should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. So this verse is telling us that we need to go to church regularly to get involved because Jesus is coming and God does not want us to miss the rapture. So going to church, we encourage one another. Number two, we go to church to hear God's word preached. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul, the spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts, the attitudes of the heart. Now we know that the word of God is our milk, it's our potatoes, it's our meat, it's our bread. It helps us to grow spiritually. And in this house, Christian Family Church International, we get the good word of God. And everybody said, Amen. We've had so many people tell us, you know, Pastor Babe, when I came to church, I was a Christian. But since I've been here, my life has changed dramatically. I've learned how to use the sword of the Spirit. How many of you have been enjoying that series? Wasn't it phenomenal? We've learned how to hear the Word of God. We learned how to walk by faith. We learned how to speak the Word of faith. We learned how not to, to live in doubt and fear. We learn so much from the Word of God when we come to church. So coming to church is important to hear the Word of God. Number three, we go to church to be sharpened and to sharpen others. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now this concept of iron sharpening iron obviously implies two pieces of iron. It's impossible for the one tool to become sharper without the other. Let, if they're left alone, both blades will become dull and quite useless. I like to say when the two blades get together, they send off a couple of bright sparks. And when we come to church, we become bright sparks, right? So God expects us to live and to serve in a community with other believers. We encourage one another. We motivate each other. We challenge one another. That's what it's all about. Number four, we go to church to exercise our spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 
Verse 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. God doesn't give us these spiritual gifts, family, to serve ourselves. I was just talking to Apostle Thea just before I recorded this, and we were laughing because we remembered about this one pastor. Remember, he's told you this when he, the pastor called his wife up on the platform and said, and prophesied over, you're a mighty woman of God, you're going to go to the nations, you're going to win multitudes, and then she fell down under the Spirit, then he turned to himself, and then he started prophesying, oh, you're a mighty man of God, you're going to go to the nations, and, and then he fell down. That reminds me a lot about, maybe those were the nuts in the chocolate. <laughs> But in uh, our church, we've got a few nuts. No, we don't go to church to, to help ourselves. We go to church to the gifts to help one another. Number five, we go to church because we are part of the body of Christ. Romans 12 verse 5 says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Well, another translation says it like this. We belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. So we actually are a part of something much greater than ourselves. But together, we make up the body of Christ, the army of the Lord. So to shun going to church is to shun the very body of Christ that you are actually a part of. Number six, we go to church to partner in the gospel. Philippians 1.4 says, I pr always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Family, if we want to reach our city for Christ, we need to partner together with each other. We sow our time, we sow our effort, our tithes and offerings we bring to the, the house of the Lord. And because of your generous giving, we are able to reach more people with the, God's message of goodness and love and mercy. We're able to do more good works around the world. We're able to reach our city and our world because of your partnership. On Tuesday, Apostle Thea and I were having a management meeting with our Johannesburg team, and, and Pastor Greg was telling us how Christian Family Church Johannesburg has fed literally thousands of people who have been um, hit hard through this COVID season. And no wonder God is blessing our church because we are such generous givers. You are generous givers, and we couldn't do it on our own. And we, but together, we are reaching our city. Together, we are making a difference. So thank you. We so appreciate that. Number seven, we go to church to mentor others and be mentored. Titus 2, 2 says, teach the older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect, self-control, sound in faith, in love and endurance. Verse 3 says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers, not to be addicted to too much wine, but to teach that which is good. Number 4, it says, Then they can urge the younger woman, Come on, younger woman, you've got to love your, your husband, you've got to love your children, you've got to be self-controlled, you've got to be pure, be busy at your own house, not in everyone else's business. Be kind, listen to your husband so that no one 
will malign the word of God. And verse 6 says, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. So we all learn that at church, mentoring one another, helping one another. Um, some of us are coaches, some of us are cheerleaders. You know, my mom always told me, Bev, I'm your coach and your cheerleader. So what does a cheerleader do? A cheerleader will always stroke you, tell you, wonderful, you're amazing. But a coach will always tell you, you know, we can do better. You can do better. And so we need a coach and cheerleaders in our lives. Number eight, we go to, to church to train our children in the way of the Lord. That's what Proverbs 22, 6 says, right? Train a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, this is a promise, he will not depart from it. So we train our children to go to church. In other words, we train them to get into the habit of going to church. So it's at church that they can interact with other children. They can learn Christian values and lifestyles. Because I can tell you right now, family, if you think that your child is going to learn Christian values at public schools, no, absolutely not. What they are learning is shocking. So we have to instill the Christian values at home and, and Christian values they learn at church. So, and you know, the Bible gives us a promise. When they're old, they're not going to depart from the ways of the Lord. So thank you, Jesus. Number nine, we go to church to do, to do good works. Everybody say good works. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. The question I want to ask is, how can we do good to the household of faith if we're not joined to a household of faith or we're not involved in a household of faith? Number 10, we go to church to show the world the love of Jesus. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One of the most powerful examples that we can set for the world to see is that when they see that we genuinely love each other. Because the truth of the matter is, family, people are desperately seeking love. And they're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? But we have the true love of God, and it's shed abroad in our hearts. So, so we got to love each other. But how will we love one another if we separate it? from each other like the bones in a valley. No, we're going to show that we are the real deal and love one another. Number 11, we go to church to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So you see, we can help one another. We can be there for one another. We can pray for each other. We can do practical things for one another. We can come alongside a brother or sister and, and we can help them shoulder the weight or the trial or the temptation or the difficulty they're going through. Number 12, we go to church to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, 26 says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Verse 27 says, and he took the cup, a cup. And when he had given thanks, 
he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Notice that Jesus says, Drink from it, all of you. So Jesus himself instituted the Lord's Supper with the gathering of his disciples. Well, it was good enough for the disciples to get together and and celebrate and have communion, then it's good for us to get together and have communion and remember what Jesus did for us, his sacrifice, and we give him thanks for that. Number 13, we go to church because we want to care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its members should have equal concern for each other. Now, if we're not involved in church, how can we care for one another? You know, just like the person who is sick at home or is in hospital and when we were allowed to visit them, right now we're not allowed to go and visit everybody, but when we were allowed to visit people in the hospital and if, if they're not involved in a small group and they don't tell us where they, they are, how can we care for them? We want to care for them. We, we want to be there for each and every one of our members. That's why we need to be together and not separate ourselves. We mustn't isolate ourselves because then who's going to care for us in our time of need? We also go to church because the body needs each other in order to grow. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Number 16 And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. So as a member of Christ's body, we have a part to play. You are important to us. You might say, Pastor Bev, the truth of the matter is I don't know where I fit in. Well, if you don't know where you're fitting, please attend Growth Track. You might be in the church for quite a while and still go ahead and, and attend Growth Track. You will find exactly where your gifting is and you will feel fulfilled and energized in serving. Number 15, we go to church because every single part of the body is indispensable. I didn't put 1 Corinthians 12 uh, 12 to 27 online because it's too many scriptures, but this is uh, talks about how important the body is and how we can't do without each other. You are vitally important. We cannot function without you 100%. We need you, family. And number 16, we go to church to be equipped. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints. What for? The work of the ministry. What for? For the building up of the body of Christ. So as a believer, we learn how to be equipped for the ministry, which gets us ready to serve one another. Now, you know, in our society, where we place such a high value on individual achievement, 
it's often hard for us to understand that our destiny is actually linked to each other and that we will not succeed on our own. In order to achieve victory, people must be able to count on one another. You know, my husband loves NASCAR racing. So does Pastor Greg. And in the sport of NASCAR racing, most of the publicity centers really around the driver. Isn't that the truth? But it takes a total team effort just to make it to the finish line, let alone to win the race. For example, can you imagine if one of the guys in the pit shop, if he didn't do his job correctly? What if the driver fired up his car only to have the engine blow up? All of the driver's courage, all of his experience, all of his training will be wasted and his skill would be wasted. Imagine if one of the guys in the pit crew didn't fully tighten the nuts on the wheel during a pit stop. The car might roar off the pit road onto the track and then only the wheel to fall off. Oh my word, what a disaster. So you see how it's imperative for us to stay connected as a team, to work as a body, connected to one another, and then we're going to enjoy victories together. Even though God is a very personal God, he connects us with one another, with each other, which ultimately brings about the fulfillment of God's purposes and plans for our lives. I want us to use our imaginations. Just imagine that the carpenter's tools, which are just behind me, right here on the kitchen counter, they were holding a conference. Here's Brother Hammer. And Brother Hammer, he presided and several suggested that he actually leave the meeting because Brother Hammer was too noisy. Brother Hammer replied, if I have to leave the, the shop, then Brother Screwdriver, Mr. Screwdriver, he's going to have to leave also because you have to turn him around again and again and again to get him to accomplish anything. Well, Brother Screwdriver, he spoke up and he said, if you wish, I will leave. But Brother Plain must leave too. All his work is on the surface. His efforts have no depth. To this, Brother Plain responded, then Brother Rule will have to withdraw, for he is always measuring folks as though he was the only one who's right. That's why we call him Brother Righteous Rule, because he's the only one who thinks he's right. Well, then Brother Rule, he got up and he complained. He complained against Brother Sandpaper, who's right here on my kitchen table. He complained about Brother Sandpaper. And he said, he said, you ought to leave too because you're so rough and you're always rubbing people the wrong way. Well, during all this middle of this confusion and discussion, in walked the carpenter of Nazareth. And he had arrived to start his day's work. He put on his apron. He went to the bench. And he wanted to create a wooden pulpit from which he could proclaim and preach the gospel. So he employed the hammer, the screwdriver, the plane, the rule, brother sandpaper, and all the other tools. And after all his work was done, 
the pulpit was finished. Brother Saul arose and remarked, Brethren, I observe that all of us are workers together with the Lord. Family, when we place our lives in God's hands, he uses us all to help the body of Christ and ultimately win souls for the kingdom. We're working together as one. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of Pastor Wayne Cordero, but he is one of the five fastest churches growing, fastest growing churches in, in the USA. <clears throat> and he says, and I'm reading from what he said, he said, I've searched for the common denominators in those churches that for decades have enjoyed the hand of God on their ministries. One quality in particular showed up repeatedly. The ownership that the people of the church took in the ministry. They didn't wait for a professional or someone more qualified than they. Everybody knew that they had a part to play. And they participated gladly. They didn't want the hand of God to leave them. And I'm convinced, he says, that the influence of the church, that the influence the church has on its community will not be determined by the personality of the pastor, nor the size of the building, or how long the ministry has worked in the community, but it will be determined instead by the percentage of involvement in the ministry of each member. Now this makes the transition from attendance to ownership, from being a consumer to being a contributor. And I believe that is exactly what's happening at Christian Family Church International. We are becoming contributors to this mission, to this vision of this house, as the hand of the Lord was supernaturally on Ezekiel, I believe that the hand of the Lord is on us today. The hand of the Lord is on you. As the wind of the Spirit moved then, the wind of the Spirit is moving today on us with signs, wonders, and miracles. As the men and women, they stood together, connected as a great army. We too are becoming that great conquering army, a formidable force. As the Lord had a plan for the future for them, family, the Lord has a plan and a future for each and every one of us and us together. And we're going to march forward in great power and love. And together, we will push back the forces of darkness that came against, that have come against our families, that have come against our finances, that have come against our backslidden children and relatives. And together, we will reclaim our cities and our nations. Why? For the cause of Christ, because we are part of the end time army that will see a multitude of souls swept into the kingdom. We are the wise virgins. Yes, we are. We're going to be ready for Christ's return. And the question I want to ask as I end this message is, how many will say, Pastor Bev, you can count on me. I'm all in. I will serve the Lord with all my heart. I'm a part of the army here at Christian Family Church. Well, if that's you, I can say that we want you, we need you, and we love you, and we are so glad that you're part of the army of God. We love you, family. Now, those watching, whether you're in-house or 
you're online and you say, Pastor Beb, I've heard you teach about uh, why it's important to go to church and I've heard about the love of God and I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I'd like to give you an opportunity right now to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and so that your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And so one day that you will know for sure that heaven will be your home. And I would like the opportunity and the privilege of praying with you. If that's you, say this little prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I will do my best to serve you, Father, and find a home, a church home, where I can get involved. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's the best decision you've ever made in your life. And family, for those of you watching in-house and online, Apostle Thea and I love you, and we can't wait to see you soon.